boy who wanted a scooter for Christmas. And he wanted it even though his dad didn't have a lot of money. In fact, his dad had just recently lost his job. But Freddie was certain that he would get a scooter for Christmas. His friends would look at each other and say that Freddie has faith. I wonder, is that what you think of when you hear the word faith? Or when you think of faith? One American author said, The most common of all follies is to believe passionately in the palpably not true. Nietzsche said, Faith is not wanting to know what is true. Faith is not wanting to know what is true. In our world today, faith is one of those words that has become suspect. Faith seems to be the opposite of science and reason. That if you have reason, therefore you don't need faith. And science is there for everything. And it's the view of many of the people that we work with, many people that we live with, perhaps even people that sit beside us in church this morning, that would consider that faith is a blind leap in the dark. It's a little more than wishful thinking. Now, it doesn't do any harm, so it doesn't really bother anybody, but you believe that you want things to be that way, and so you have faith, and it works for you. That's how I've kind of heard it on TV when people talk about, I just know in my heart that it is true. What they're really saying is, this works for me. If I believe these things, and I just know in my heart that it's true, that it helps me become more cheerful, or maybe to have more hope that there's better days ahead. The important thing seems to be, It's not so much the content of their faith, but the results that it gives them. It makes them feel better, more happy. They've eked some comfort out of it. So what is faith? To that, we turn to the greatest chapter on faith in all of God's Word. You can guess it probably. Hebrews chapter 11. We are going to go through the Apostles' Creed for the next 13 weeks, and doing that we are going to get to cover some of the best passages in Scripture. Uh, Never gotten to preach on Hebrews 11, and man, it is exciting to dive into that. So Hebrews 11, we're going to, it's page 1007 in your pew Bible. We're going to read just the first six verses, even though we'll cover more as we go. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The reason why we're going through the Apostles' Creed is because we are living in a day and age where people uh, are interested in spiritual things, but at times we don't have a very good vocabulary. 
So just imagine that you are walking with my family, something we, we do often. We usually go to the Shaker Ponds up behind our house, and uh, imagine the five of us are walking along, and I say, look, kids, there's a tree. My kids would look at me and say, wow, Dad, thanks for pointing that out. I mean, uh, we've seen a tree before. Obviously, Dad, you don't have a very good vocabulary for what we are seeing. But if I was to go with Dan DeHart, if I was to go with my brother-in-law, Matt, when they look at trees, they have a hundred different words because there are literally in the Shaker area probably hundreds of different kinds of trees. And so when you walk with them, guess what? You see entirely different things. Words help us see. We need to know the words of our faith so that we actually know what we believe. And having these words will help us to know that there is more to it than just what meets the eye. Sure, there's a tree. Sure, there's a maple. But there's a Japanese maple. There's a Canadian maple. The maple leaves. Learn that from hockey. Okay, but I mean, those are the different kinds, and it helps you experience things better. And so we're talking about God. We're discussing spiritual things. And the very first words, the Cree says, I believe. But do we have a really good vocabulary for what does it mean to say, I believe? Do we all actually share the same dictionary when we say faith? We're using the same word, but do we really actually mean the same thing? And so this morning I want to give us five words to see what faith is. Five words, maybe different dimensions is another way of looking at it, for what is faith. In the first place, the Bible says that faith is rational. Faith is rational because it involves a person as its object. Faith is rational because it involves a person as its object. Look with me at verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe what? That, that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith is linked to a person and it believes certain truths about that person, that he rewards those who diligently seek him. The world tells us just the opposite. It doesn't really matter what you believe, as long as you believe it with all your heart. But the Bible says the heart can't embrace what the mind rejects. That our faith is tied to what we think about who God is. And we have to think of him as someone who exists, first of all, and second, as someone who rewards those who seek him. So the Bible is consistent in the whole New Testament that it is not the size of your faith. Stop looking inward at the intensity of your faith. Because you can have faith as small as a mustard seed, right? It's not about the size of it. It's about where are you looking. Look outward. Look at the object of your faith. You have to believe that God exists. That he is true, period, and so faith is not something that just we possess, but faith is actually confidence in a person. Freddie believed that he was going to get a scooter. But why? Why did he have such confidence that he was going to wake up on Christmas morning with a scooter there? Is it because he knew of his dad's finances and the bills that he had to pay? No. Is it because Freddie was just an optimistic kind of kid? That he was just one of those, of course it will happen. It's all going to work out. He is that believes the best in things. He sees the glass as half full. No. Freddie was certain that he'd wake up on Christmas morning and get a scooter 
simply because his dad told him so. That is what faith is. Faith is believing someone's word about something you can't see. It is being sure of a promise. Look at verse 1. It can't get more obvious than just this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Let's apply this to Abraham's life, and we're going to jump now down to verses 17 through 19. Most of us probably know the story of Abraham, but Abraham received a promise from God that he would be the heir, and he would have many descendants, more than the stars of the sky, Genesis 12, Genesis 15, but also Hebrews 11.12. Look at Hebrews 11.12. Therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, speaking about Abraham, were born descendants as many as the stars of the heaven, and as many as innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. That's what God promised him. And the only reason why Abraham could believe that he was going to have all these descendants, even though him and his wife were as good as dead, is because God told him it was so. It would happen. It wasn't mere conjecture. It wasn't optimism. Abraham was taking God at his word, which is why Christians have a preoccupation with studying God's word. It even challenges us this morning that if you say you have faith in God, but no interest in his word, one of those things is not compatible with the other. Abraham had faith because of God's word. Anyway, so those descendants were going to be through the promised son Isaac. Look with me at verse 17 through 18. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said about Isaac, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. So God is asking Abraham to offer up his only son, the one son through which all of his descendants were going to come. I think we have, even though we're familiar with that story, we have to say, surely God wouldn't ask that. Put yourself in Abraham's shoes. Have there ever been things in your life where you have said, God, that's my limit. Take your hands off of that. You can't ask that, Lord. Surely you wouldn't ask that of me. We're fine with his lordship in some areas of our life, but Lord, that's too far. So what did Abraham do? Look at verse 19. He considered. What did he do? He reasoned. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. God did not ask Abraham to check his brain at the door. God does not ask you to leave your brain in the parking lot when you come to church. Abraham reasoned that what God was asking him, that God was able to still provide descendants through Isaac because God could raise Isaac from the dead. What he knew about God gave him faith in who God was. Same thing with Sarah. Look back at verse 11. By faith, Sarah, Abraham's wife, herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she what? Considered him faithful, who had promised. God said it, I believe it. Our faith in God is connected to what we think about God. So we don't just believe, we believe in someone. And this morning, perhaps you're feeling dry, and the challenge for us is that in order to renew our faith this morning, would you consider renewing your thinking? Renew what you think about God. I think it was Augustine who said that the only limit 
to our ability to love God. The only limit to our faith is what we know about God. That's a challenging sentence, isn't it? The only limit we have in our ability to love God is how much we know God. To renew your faith this morning, renew your thinking. It's rational and it's in a person. But even though faith begins with knowledge, it's what you think, it has to be more than just assent, what you affirm. James chapter 2, verse 19 says, You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So if all you have this morning is faith, is knowledge, then that qualifies you to be a demon this morning. The very first people, very first beings to recognize Jesus for who he was were demons. So if assent, is, if, if, if affirming is all that faith is, then we're in little more than demons. So belief is not less than knowledge, but it has to be more than that. So our second point this morning, our second word, is that faith is also a commitment. Faith is a commitment. All the way throughout Hebrews chapter 11, these people acted on God's promises. Hebrews 11, every story, people acted on God's promises. You can't have faith without acting on it. It's not just a mere religious opinion. It's what you live by. And so these people took God at his word. They believed that that was the sure reality, and then they acted it out. Look with me at the example of Noah in verse 7. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah received a warning from God. It started with God giving Noah a word, and then he built an ark. He let God define his reality, even though everyone else is saying, you are building a ship in the middle of Indiana. Like, why are you doing that? Can you imagine being Noah's kids? You're going to get made fun of at school because your dad's building a boat and there's never been rain. Oh, you work for that dad. That's who your dad is. I mean, it's just going to be an embarrassing time. But yet Noah had faith because he received God's word and he acted it out. James tells us, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Taking God at his word and putting it into action is exactly what Noah did, but it's also the exact opposite of what Adam and Eve did. Go back to the Garden of Eden. God said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then they did not take God at his word. They disobeyed. Perhaps one of the most challenging things this afternoon you could do would be to go back to the Ten Commandments Exodus chapter 20, and read through all of those commands and see them as all dependent upon faith. You have to believe something about God in order to live that way. You have to believe that what God says is true, that what God says is the sure reality, and then you can put into practice all of those things that in this life we say, oh, I don't know if I really want to do that. Faith and obedience are linked. Just in these first two points, we already see how this could impact something that's very dear to us, how it helps us see what is true saving, saving faith. Faith not only enables you to confess Jesus as Lord, but faith now, as we're looking at his commitment, it's putting it into action. Faith also means conforming to Jesus Christ. You confess him as Lord, but you also conform to him. You call out to him 
Romans 10 says, but you also conform to him. John Owen is a Puritan who called us, anybody? Going once, going twice. I really wanted us to hear this John Owen point, so if we can silence it, that's awesome, great. John Owen, I love how he talked about that faith has two hands. Faith has one hand to grab hold of Christ and the other hand to begin sweeping your house. What does he mean by that? When you put your faith in God, it isn't just saying that you believe in him. Faith also means that you belong to him. You hear that commitment aspect. So you grab hold of Christ by faith, but then your heart becomes his home. And you begin to say, in light of me grabbing hold of Christ, I'm going to start sweeping out because my heart belongs to him. I have to keep it clean for him to want to live there, for him to indwell me. And so you believe in God, but you also belong to him. So faith means commitment. Our third word about faith is that faith is individual. I don't have a specific verse for this, but I think it's all of Hebrews 11 kind of put together and then reading all the Old Testament stories to understand this. But every single person in Hebrews 11 comes to God in a different way and they live out their faith in a different way. Each of these people in Hebrews 11 has an individual personal faith, which is really important for us this morning. I have been so blessed by our church, been willing to invite friends and many guests here to understand what is Christianity. But sometimes we hear testimonies of Christians, and if if you're our guest or if you're new to understanding what it is, you can begin to think that, oh, that person became a Christian in this dramatic experience, therefore I must have the same dramatic experience to put my faith in Christ. Why? I can't tell you how many times as a pastor I've heard people say, oh, they have a great testimony. Mine, that's just one of those ones where I was raised in a church and I put my faith in Christ. I don't really have a good testimony. Why are you comparing your faith to somebody else's? Go back to John 20 and you see three people running to the tomb. You have Mary there first. You have John and Peter in a sprint. John walks in and he sees the linen cloths folded. I'm from the Northern Virginia area. I've had my car broken into. Anybody else here? If someone was going to steal something out of my car, it did not leave things in a nice way. Okay? They did not fold up my stuff. And yet, if somebody was to steal Christ's body, the linen cloth, it's folded. Why did John include that in John 20? Because it actually happened. Okay? It's true. And so John sees the linen cloth fold, and it says John believed. Peter goes home, he believes later, Mary cries and has an emotional meltdown, and Christ has to come, and she goes, are you the gardener? And he goes, no, Mary, it's me. And then she believes. Three people all come to faith in Christ in different ways. I think it's important for us to see here that the Apostles' Creed affirms the individual aspect which is reflected in Scripture. The Creed begins with, I believe, not we believe. It has to be a personal faith in Christ. It has to move from knowledge to commitment to a personal faith in Christ. What is that personal faith in Christ? It's when we see Christ as able to remedy our greatest need, sin. When we talk about sin, I'm not talking about the sins of the world. I'm talking about your neighbor's sins, your spouse's sins, your kid's sins. When faith begins real in your life, you begin to say, my sin. And if God is tugging on your heart this morning, you can say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. 
Have mercy on who? Me, a sinner. That's how faith begins. That's become personal. So you can end up saying, he loved me, and he gave himself for me. Well, Freddie's friends heard that he was still believing in his dad that he would get this scooter. But Freddie's friends heard that a local booster club was going to have a raffle for a scooter. And so Freddie's friends came to Freddie and said, hey, let's all chip in our money and let's get some raffle tickets because we have a better chance of getting this scooter if we all put our money in the raffle because all of our dads lost their jobs at the same plant. Don't have faith in your dad. Let's have this raffle together. But Freddie didn't spend his money on a raffle ticket. He held fast to his father's word. And of course, as young boys do, not understanding why their friend didn't contribute with them, they began to make fun of Freddie and ridiculed him for not spending his money on a raffle ticket. Our faith as well will be tested And even though it is tested, we see throughout Hebrews 11 that true Christian faith is powerful. Christian faith, I think the story of Hebrews 11 is this. Christian faith is so powerful, it enables you to live a life that you would not be able to live if God's word and what he said about himself and what he promised us were not true. And Moses is a perfect example. Go over to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 and 28 through 28. Hebrews 11 23 through 28. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered, same word again, the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood to destroy the firstborn, might not touch them. Why was Moses able to persevere? Verse 26 looking ahead to his reward. Verse 27, By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured, and how did his faith work out again? Another word for faith, as seeing him who was invisible. Christian faith allows you to have courage and perseverance in the midst of hardship, church, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of doubt, Christian faith gives you power to persevere. And not just for Moses. Look down with me at the end of the chapter. There's a list of unnamed people that have about 12 different actions that they endured. Verses 35 through 38. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. 
And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. We see those who had this kind of Christian faith were able to persevere through suffering and even death because they had a faith to be able to see through this world to the world that was to come. Have you experienced this kind of difference that faith can make in your own life? Has your faith in God's word and God's promises allowed you to kind of cross some gaps that the world would say you couldn't do that? All because you had faith in God's promises. I don't think you can live very long as a Christian without this kind of faith. And so another point for us to understand is that faith is not something that only people who are first-time believers use. Oh, I believed Christ when I was in seventh grade. I haven't used my faith since. Wrong. Christians use their faith daily, which is why Hebrews 11 comes right before Hebrews 12. All of these heroes of the faith... Now hear how we are to use it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who use their faith, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with what? Endurance or perseverance, the race that is set before us. How? Looking, faith, seeing holding on to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Faith is the way to live the Christian life. If you don't live by faith, I guess the question is, what then will you live by? Will you become hardened and bitter because of the things that didn't work out in your life? I wonder how many of us have just kind of resigned to despair. Things are never going to get better. This is the way that it is. That's not the way forward. Faith in the promises of God is the true way to persevere. It's the only fuel that will last. And so test yourself this morning. Are you running and persevering or are you coasting? Christian faith perseveres. Now, Freddie's friends thought that it was sad that Freddie believed in his dad. They all knew that their dads couldn't provide. They had all been laid off from the same plant. Yet Freddie had a peace of mind. And so all of his friends ridiculed him. They were sure that Freddie's faith in his dad was misplaced. They knew that Freddie would wake up on Christmas morning disappointed. So they went from ridicule to pitying him. But you know, Freddie's dad knew that Freddie was believing him. And Freddie's dad liked that. He knew that it was tough for Freddie to believe his word because of the circumstances. But Freddie knew his dad would not mislead him, that his dad would find some way of getting him a scooter. What do you think God thinks about your faith? The world pities us. The world says that Christianity is a crutch. They ridicule us. They also think that it's sad that we would have to come here each week, spend 40 minutes listening to a sermon based on God's word. Maybe family members that you have pity you that you need this. But what does God think about your faith in him? Did you notice that Hebrews 11 is bookended front and back with this word commending, this theme of commending? It's the same word that we have for martyr, martyreo, it means to bear witness or to testify. 
The ESV translates it only here, commending. I think it helps. But look with me here at verse 2. So now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. We hear that God is pleased with our faith, even though the world pities us for our faith. They received their commendation. Look with me at verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was what? Commended as having pleased God. Our Father is pleased with our faith that we take him at his word. That we don't just believe in God, but we actually believe God. We believe that he's going to do what he said he would do. And that pleases him. I think we have to know, church, that God isn't pleased with us because of the certain acts that they do. Or that there's anything special in them. They just trusted what they couldn't see. They took God at his word, and they lived based upon his promises. Scan now over to 38 and 39. Of whom the world was not worthy. What does God think about your faith? He thinks the world isn't worthy of you. Man, that is power that the Father thinks of you like that. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive that which was promised. God approved of their faith by taking him in his word. And they have become heroes of the past. And we get to be included with them as we continue in faith. Well, Christmas morning came. Freddie ran downstairs to the living room, and guess what he found? A scooter. Sitting there next to the tree, he was overjoyed. Though he hadn't doubted his dad... Seeing that scooter and being able to touch it with his own hands was terrific. You see that in our own life? We haven't doubted the Father, but man, when we get to heaven and seeing him with our own eyes, finally touching, it's going to be terrific. And the Father was overjoyed in seeing his son enjoy his scooter. Received tons of hugs. Oh, thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dad, like Christmas morning is. But then the dad stopped and got up and went to go get some coffee, and he reflected. As he reflected, he loved his son in ways that his son could not understand. That his son was certain that his dad was going to do what he said he was going to do. Does your faith make a difference in your life? I pray that these five words about what is faith would begin to truly change us. That faith is rational. It's in a person. Do you know God? Faith is commitment. You can't believe in God, say the creed, affirm the creed, and become a Christian. There is a surrender. There's an obedience. It's personal. It's not just for your family. It has to be for you. And how do you know that that faith has really become yours? You see it as you persevere and you have courage in the face of opposition. And ultimately knowing that your Father in heaven is pleased with your faith in taking him at his word.
Let's have a time of uh, silence as we consider what difference does faith make in your life. And Andrew, at the time that you see fit, uh, if you could close this in our closing hymn. Thanks.